You are tuning in to the Seed Chat with Tristan, a Christian community designed for the youth, by the youth. Join us in discussing the truths and debunking the myths. Let's grow closer to Christ together. What's up, my brothers and sisters? It is your host, Tristan Guillaume, and you're listening to the Seed Chat with Tristan. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to tune into this message, to hear what God wants to put in your life. It really means so much to hear you guys' support, to hear you guys' feedback. Again, thank you so much from my end, and I'm just so happy to bring this message to you. If this message means anything to you or to your friend or you think it can help someone else, please don't forget to share and subscribe. And the name of this message is going to be Water Walking. And again, I was, I was kind of like trying to find like titles and things to really talk about and topics I really felt as I was reading over the scripture as I was you know trying to get more and more um adept with the knowledge God has given me I really felt like God wanted me to highlight the scripture and and really teach us how to all water walk in our everyday lives and so we're going to pick up with Matthew 14 22 to 33 immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they were climbing into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And like I said, it just really stuck out to me, this whole passage. And I understand it's a very common story. And, you know, many of us associate this with like a great um, proof, a great testimony of how Jesus is God and how he's able to defy physics and just how he is the chosen one. But one thing I really thought, you know, Jesus was trying to show and, you know, God put in this text for us to read, for us to understand is I believe Jesus wanted to teach us how to walk through the storms in our own life. I know for me right now, it is college applications and for you, it may be college applications, it may be dating troubles or lack thereof, maybe family, friends, or whatever you're going through. I believe Jesus wants to teach us how to walk in the midst of the storms in our lives. As I was reading this text, I believe the Lord just spoke to me. He was trying to show me something that I believe many of us are lacking, right? Where there's three types of, I guess, quote unquote, storm goers. The first one is us before we know Christ. It's a swimming with our arms and our legs kicking and one hand in front of the other, on top of the other, as we move through the storm, barely catching air, barely being able to breathe, but struggling with lots of effort to make it through the storm. Then the second one, I believe, is us paddling. I believe this is when we first give our life to Christ. We begin to, you know, let some of his teachings live within us and begin to, you know, let Jesus be the Lord of our lives. I believe we to pat our heads are above the weight, but we're still pushing and rowing with our arms and doing a lot of work and, and really being physically exercised, giving, having air, but still struggling physically in order to achieve and make it through the storm. The final storm goer is those who walk. These persons seem completely unfazed by the storm that's going on around them. They're able to just keep moving forward. 
head above the waves, not using too much energy, and being able to go through the storm as if it's every other part of their life. And I believe Jesus wants to teach us how to be this, and I'm going to try my best to give this message to you guys. I believe the Holy Spirit has given it to myself, and I believe there's three ways to water walk. The first, I believe we must understand the storm. Our first instinct is to see the storm and not be too pleased by it. We don't ever see a storm like, yay, like trial, yay, tribulation, like let's go through this battle, like yeah, like that's going to happen to me, like all right, let's go. We often want ease in our life, but ease was never promised. God gives us storms because he doesn't want to give us relief, but instead, relevation. If we look back into the text, actually, you can see it says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. And if you're like me, and if you put your faith in Christ, you know Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. If he's 100% God, he must have known the storm was coming. He must have known what was coming to them. Now, I don't believe Jesus wanted them to drown. I didn't believe he was trying to find 12 new disciples. He was trying to get rid of his old ones. I don't believe he was trying to flex on them and show them how cool he is by able to walk on water. I believe Jesus was trying to teach them something that they could only learn from the storm. And the same goes for us. In order for us to grow, in order for us to mature and to really begin to live out a Christian life, we need to go through a storm. Oftentimes, like the disciples, we see the destination, we see what we believe God has put in our lives, we see the vision, and yet we don't see the hardships. We don't see how when we help that person or be nice to him or be nice to her or you know share God's message publicly, we don't see the hardships that are going to come from it. And I mean, I'm guilty of this myself. I mean, when I began to start this podcast, I saw all the great things it could do and inform people, bring us closer to God, you know, create that sense of community. Yet I didn't see all the hardship that would come simultaneously with it. The hours I would spend, you know, creating the script or questions to ask my guest and, you know, doing the research to be knowledgeable or, you know, doing the hours of editing and uploading and putting on my websites. I didn't see that. And I believe we tend not to see the hardships that come because of the vision or in what Jesus put on our hearts. We don't see the, the hardships that are correlated with it. But only in the storm will we truly be able to understand the beauty in the destination. So stop trying to escape the storm, but embrace it and learn. We as Christians must learn to learn in the midst of the storm while others are trying to get out. I believe that is the mark of a Christian. Romans 5, 2-5. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. With that in mind, I believe we must learn the three points now. And the first point is the word. Now I get it. I understand reading is not our generation's first choice. There's so many other things we'd rather do, like YouTube, sermons, podcasts. And I'm not saying any things are bad. I mean, please continue to listen to my podcast. You know, that means a lot. But there's something special about the word itself. The Bible actually says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The best thing about the word is that different meanings pop out to each single one of us. There's something that... When we read it, our, our spirit and God puts something in that text for us to read that help us through what we're going through and, that, and that's unique to each individual. 
Like how many times have you heard a pastor, you know, they zone on this text and they highlight just one word and like, but this word, like this word, like that's the word. And you're just sitting there like, I mean, it's not that special. It's all right. Like, I get it's kind of cool, but nothing spectacular, right? And that's because the Holy Spirit highlights different things to me and to you. And it equips us with the full armor of God. It helps us empower our everyday choices. When you're familiar with the word, when you're familiar with what God says over you, it's harder for the devil and for people to speak things bad into you. When you're familiar with the word and what God says, it's easier for you to resist temptation and to love on others when you don't necessarily want to do what is holy, what is right. The word is the most powerful tool in our life, yet we rarely use it. And I get it. You know, it, it makes you tired. I, I'm not the best reader myself. I always want to get back into it. And yet every time I read a book, I end up falling asleep. But we need the word more than ever. It helps us understand and identify God's voice in our own lives and what he wants to say to us. If we look back into the passage when Peter was confused and he saw Jesus on the lake and he was like, Lord, if this is you, like speak to me, tell me to come. Because Peter knew he knew the voice of God. Because he spent time with him, he spent hours with him, and knowing the voice is so influential to our lives. Jesus said, come, eventually, and Peter came. But we need to be able to identify when Jesus says, come to our life, when God says, come in our lives. We need to be able to identify and register and be able to recognize when God wants us to do something in our own lives. The word gives us a tool, a unique ability to learn about God in a personal level all throughout the ages. And when we are able to understand the words he has spoken through our history, we will then be able to identify the words he's speaking to our own lives, in our process, in our journey with him. The second thing we must learn is principles. After reading the word, after becoming familiarized with God's voice, you begin to realize that God built his kingdom on principles. And we must do the same. And I know principles have this very like sophisticated connotation, but oftentimes they are very simple. Like if you want to do good on a test, you study. If your hand is on the oven and it gets hot, you remove it. You don't pray about it and say, God, please take away this pain. Please, please remove this suffering. You take your hand off. And the more principles we learn from God, the less we have to pray about what to do. Principles must become enduring structures in our faith. I was listening to this message by Pastor Michael Todd, and he says, Your greatest enemy is not sin or Satan. It is ignorance. Because in your lack of knowledge, that's where Satan can attack you the most. In your lack of understanding, that's when the devil can begin to creep in and take over parts of your life before you even know it. And again, as we as we listen to the word and we begin to let these principles, you know, rule our life and, and we lead us in our life, we begin to see that principles help us begin to slowly step onto the water and keep moving forward and forward. Principles help us build that, that routine or that schedule to help guide us in the midst of the storm. When, when you feel frustrated, when you feel confused, or when you feel you know, overwhelmed, you have these principles to help lead you step by step and help you continue to move. And, and you know this is right, this is wrong. Like when you feel overwhelmed with school and you feel like you just can't get the work done, and it's Wednesday night or whatever night your youth group meets, and you still go to the youth group because you understand that principle that going to the youth group is me telling God, I'm making time for you. I know if I make time for you, you are going to show up for me. I know the message Lord, that is here, you want me to hear. You want me to be part of this. You want to pour into me. And I'm going to leave this space for you no matter what. Because I know this, this principle, this group is helping me through my journey. 
and helping me build structure in my journey. And yes, principles may seem boring, like praying before you go to sleep and reading the Bible as soon as you wake up and, you know, doing the right thing when no one else is watching. But these principles are the same things that drive the people who you look at and you go, how in the world can you do all this? How in the world are you able to still do that after that just happened? How in the world are you still, you know, pushing through and empowering people and helping people in their lives when your life seems so clustered and so and so crazy itself? That same power that you are striving to achieve in someone else's journey in their faith in Christ is a power that is built upon principle after principle after principle. And the final point in water walking is faith. And I believe we all have genuine faith. We all pursue God. But I believe the faith that we need to water walk, the faith that God desires in ourselves, is the easiest to obtain and yet the hardest to lose because we are humans. We put our faith in God and we publicly declare it. And we're singing in praises. Even if a storm comes, whether big or small, and we begin to think, is God still here? Is God still working? Is this the right thing? Am I really following God? You can begin to, to slowly creep back and creep back from our faith. And this happens often, often, and it happens to myself, and I don't think I'm immune to it, but it, this, this faith is so influential to becoming a water walker that we must really begin to put our, our full faith in who Jesus says he is and what God has in our plan. To mature in our walk with Christ, we must believe that if God put us in that storm, he will get us out, and he's working through it. We too often mistake our storm as something that can scare God. But God is not scared of our storms. Instead, he sees our storms as places for us to grow and mature. Again, if we look back at the text, right? Peter begins stepping out. And yet, after a while, after he began to walk towards Jesus, he began to sink when he saw the winds. Let's get ourselves and we see another challenge. We begin to sink and think, God, are you really behind this obstacle? And Jesus says, you have little faith. And I'm not saying that, you know, Peter has little faith because, I mean, if he has little faith, we have like no faith at all. But I believe what Jesus was trying to say here is that you cannot trust me in this storm. You have a hard time putting your faith in me and believing that I can help you with what you're going through. You know, we ourselves, we have to believe that God wants to make us the best version of ourselves in this storm and purify us and make us holy and make us in the image he created us to be. The faith we need to have to water walk is to believe that God is faithful to us. Even when we don't see him, even when we don't feel him, we have to be faithful, continue the principles, continue his practices, and believe that God is watching us and God has something in plan for us. And that God sees our good works and God rewards our good works. God sees our faithfulness to his word and he rewards our faithfulness. We must believe in this in order to water walk. We, as the next upcoming Christian generation, we must learn how to water walk and gain the power, the ease, the security that comes from water walking in the midst of the storm to help us become all that God wants us to be. Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for putting this on my heart. Lord, I thank you for allowing the scripture to stand out to me and allow me to be able to, to share this message Lord, with others. Lord, I pray that we can begin to walk faithfully read your word, build our lives around your principles, Lord, so we can begin to water walk among our own lives. And Lord, I pray that whatever storm we are in, Lord, whether big or small, whether we think we can make through it or not, that we know, Lord, that you are faithful to us, 
that we know, Lord, that you are right with us, that you're walking alongside of us, Lord, and that you want to lead us through, but Lord, you want to purify us through the storm, Lord. I pray that we don't become fearful of storms, Lord, but we begin to embrace storms and allow you to do your great works in all that we go through. Thank you for listening to the Sea Chat with Tristan. I hope you're able to receive what was spoken today and that God can continue to strengthen you in your journey. If you were touched by today's episode or believe it could have benefited a friend, please share on any social platform. Don't be afraid to reach out to us regarding any questions at Tristan Guillaume on Instagram or email at TristanGuillaume16 at Yahoo.com. Hope to see you next time and have a blessed week.